Ladies and gentlemen, we are here. It is episode three of You Know It's Fake, right? The ongoing battle with the dirtiest four-letter word in professional wrestling. And as you have already seen, this week's episode is the final boss himself, the bear, ruthless Ryan Davidson. If you're uh, synonymous at all with reality wrestling down there in Houston, Texas, the organization ran by Booker T, then uh, you're probably very familiar with Ryan Davidson. He's been a... um, you know, a staple of that organization for a number of years. All over Texas, he's been wrestling. Uh, Canada, Japan, this guy's been all over the place. Um, I've known him probably about five or six years now. And, you know, as soon as we met, it's like we connected on so many levels. And uh, just a really great guy to talk to. Um, So check it out. My my interview here with Ruthless Ryan Davis will be coming up here in just a second. Uh, But I'm also going to make an announcement um, on this episode, I'm going to be doing a little bit of a giveaway. So, um, so yeah, so what I'm going to do is I thought, you know, if I'm going to give away something on the show, I should, you know, incorporate my niece and nephew. And, uh, so they're, they're going to come on from, from time to time periodically to help me uh, do a little giveaway here on the show. So I'm going to kick it over to my niece and nephew and kind of let them explain that right now. Ladies and gentlemen, I am being joined in my podcast studio today with my niece and my nephew. I want to talk to my nephew first. His name is Weissen. How old are you, buddy? I'm six. You're six? Are you a big wrestling fan? Yeah, it's- Kind of obvious because I watch wrestling on TV all the time, and I always say, "Who's going to win, the good guy or bad guy?" Yeah, who's your favorites? Probably Drew McIntyre Edge. Drew McIntyre and Edge. What about Rey Mysterio? Rey Mysterio and Sin Cara and John Moxley. Oh, I know another guy you like, El Torito. Oh, I. Totally love him. <laughs> and then I also got my niece Brighton here, and you are ten. She's yes. not that cool, trust me. <laughs> she's she's pretty nice. You'd be good over there. Now Brighton, oh, you're, she's not nice. Here, quiet. You're ten, and you kind of like wrestling a little bit, but it's not your favorite, right? Yeah. Do you like some of the girl wrestlers? <clears throat> yeah. Who do you like? Charlotte and Sasha Banks. What about Bailey? Do you like her? Oh yeah. Until she turned bad. I gotcha. Yeah. Well. Brighton, you want to tell everyone what we're doing here today? Um, doing a podcast <laughs> and selling wrestlers for the winner. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do a contest and we're gonna give away a wrestling figure to one of the listeners. And how do they do that? Um, they have to listen to our podcast. Well, yeah. And then we give one away on Twitter. That's right. We're gonna do a contest on Twitter, and you guys are gonna pick the winner. So, what do you think? Do you think you want to come back here in a week or two and select the winner for me? 
Yeah, that would work. <laughs> that would work, huh? All right, so we're gonna we're gonna say bye to everybody. Anything else you want to say before we leave? Can we do it, sucker? <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Bye bye. Bye. So there you have it, uh, my niece and nephew. They uh, <laughs> that took a lot longer to record than you could probably imagine, but it was, it was really fun to have them on. Um, some of the stuff that comes out of my nephew's mouth always makes me laugh. As you heard there at the end, my my niece wanted to end it with a "Can you dig it, sucker?" Um, if you guys are fans of Breaker and Bane's Power Hour, there's actually a clip of her at the very end of every episode saying that. When I recorded that, she was three, and she is ten now. There's a mind blower. My nephew actually said, can you do it, sucker, I think, uh, which I thought was hilarious. Um, there are some bloopers that will air sp sporadically throughout the show. In fact, um, one of the first takes, she was trying to whisper to him what to say, but of course, you know, they're mic'd up, so it's very hard to whisper. And he thought she said to say, can you catch Santa, which <laughs> absolutely made me laugh, so... Uh, but what we're actually going to be giving away is I have an Elite, WWE Elite Mattel Series 80 Kyle O'Reilly Chase figure. That's right, not the regular figure, the Chase variant. We'll be giving away that on Twitter. I'll be doing the contest there. So all you have to do is just follow the rules on Twitter, which will be, you know, basically uh, a retweet and then comment something. And then I will have them back on here in a week. Hopefully next week, maybe the week after. I'm not 100% sure yet. And we'll announce the winner. So, pretty easy way to get a, to get a nice uh, wrestling figure if that's, what you're, if that's what you're into. So, follow the rules on Twitter at BrianBreakerODR. And we'll go over all of that. But right now, I am going to go to my interview with the bear. The final boss. The one and only Ruthless Ryan Davidson. Here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, joining me now via Skype all the way down there from Houston, Texas. They call him the final boss. They call him Ruthless. He is, I believe, a triple crown winner for Reality of Wrestling. Grand Slam champion. Grand Slam champion of Reality of Wrestling. <laughs> See that? He won't even let me put him over because I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking to the one and only Ruthless Ryan Davidson. What's going on, man? Buddy, always a good time talking to you, man. I was just saying before you hit the record button, dude, that I was like, fuck, man, it's still good talking to you, man. I mean, I still want to punch you in the face just because we're friends. But, dude, nonetheless, man, it's always awesome to talk to you, man. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, dude. It's So this is a new podcast. Obviously, you were on uh, Breaker and Maid's Power Hour uh, several times. And the first time, oddly enough, was uh, in your hotel in Troy, Missouri. And we didn't even know each other that well. I mean, we, we, we were cordial and everything was cool. But, like... We hadn't really spent time together at that point, so it was kind of like, all right, well, I'm coming to the student's hotel room. This looks awkward. 
Oh, dude, totally. Like the wackiness. And I, I thought the same thing. I was all like, you know, uh, Brian Breaker's a big guy. He looks very strong. He's a very intimidating man. He's not a type. You're not a type of guy that I would uh, want to see down a dark alley anywhere. You know what I mean? But once again, man, like we we're in the hotel room like, oh, yeah, let's do a podcast because, you know, we like pro wrestling just like all the other weirdos in the business because I guess we're weird, too. So uh, it ended up working out and the friendship got bonded because of it, man. So uh, totally cool. But yes, also very weird. <laughs> always weird but yeah pro you, you hit the nail on the head pro wrestling is such a unique business i think i think it was you maybe that made the analogy like you know if your regular job was once like hey we want you to drive five hours on your own dime in your own vehicle you know spending your own gas money and we're gonna pay you 50 bucks you're gonna get the shit kicked out of you then you drive on back on sunday and then come to work bright and early monday morning you would look at them like, you know, like as Jim Cornette would say, like they have steaming turds coming out of their mouth. And uh, such a quote, such a great quote, too. such a great quote. Yeah. But in, in the wrestling business, we're all like, oh, absolutely. We'll do that. We're happy to do that. And you know what? Actually, we'll do it for 40. So why not? <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. Actually, if I get a very firm handshake with that $40, then you, you got somebody on your card for life, pal, brother, brother. Yeah, it's yeah, a. So. It's a weird, it's a weird, interesting business, and so I guess we got to start kind of at the beginning. I mean, lifetime fan for you is it always just something that you idolized, wanted to do? Yeah, man. I mean, in, in ways, yeah, it was kind of funny. It kind of trickled into my life. Like it wasn't full swing tilt until I was around like you know fourteen, fifteen years old. But even when I was a kid, I remember like I knew about pro wrestling. I just didn't really watch it. But I remember, dude, I don't know if you remember the uh, old WCW trading cards. I had those from like the early 90s, like cards of like Arn Anderson and even had a sweet Jim Ross trading card. Like it was amazing. And like I had a whole box of those, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so you probably know where I'm talking about, and like you know, uh, it was so many different things. So I always was enamored with these cards, cards, because I've always been like fascinated with just like big, strong-looking guys. Like football was my whole thing. So like, if guys just had big muscles or you know look larger than life, I was all about it. And pro wrestling totally fit that. So once again, uh, you know, it started when I was like 13, 14 years old, and I saw some kid crotch chopping on the playground in, in like elementary, middle school, and I'm like, what was that? And he's like, oh. Oh, Degeneration X. I'm like, oh, is that a band? <laughs> you know, like right. I didn't know. Sure as hell, it was. You know, turned into pro wrestling. It was full swing from there, man. Well, dude, and wrestling was so hot at that time. I remember, you know, for me, I, I was, I was into the early '90s stuff. You know, the Hogan era, the Ultimate Warrior, all those guys. But I, it was, I got made fun of it at school at, at certain points. So I kind of became a thing where I'm like, I, I'm gonna love wrestling. I'm gonna watch wrestling, but I'm not gonna tell people I like it. Mm, that's interesting. You know, it's kind of funny because like that same mindset you kind of have as an adult when you go out somewhere and someone's all like, oh, what do you do? Like MMA? You're like, no, I do wrestling. Uh, like, 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 like high school, college wrestling. Yeah, no, like like WWE, what you see on TV, and then the whole perception changes. It's like, oh, okay. And like if you're a guy trying to hook up with a chick, it was almost a guaranteed you're not getting anything that night. <laughs> and and that's kind of what the whole, you know, consensus of this podcast is. You know, I'm calling it, you know, it's fake, right? Because it's a it's a question that we've probably all gotten at some point in our lives and and it always elicits a response, you know, at certain periods of my life, man, I would get so pissed when someone would ask me something like that or say, make that statement. And it's just like, you have no idea. And I mean, I remember even as a, as a young kid, 
you know, you hear, oh, all that stuff's fake. It, you know, it's not real. But I'm like, well, I'm seeing this guy get suplexed. Like, he's yeah. falling on his back. Yeah. How do they do that? Oh, it's a trampoline. Okay, well, how's it a trampoline? That guy's earthquakes 400 pounds. You know what I mean? It's like the little the little intricacies were starting to make sense to me, but then I'm hearing from people that seem smarter than me that, oh, no, 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 this is all, a, you know, it's smoke and mirrors and all that stuff. And then you get into the business and you realize, well, it's not at all. It's very, like earthquakes going to come jump on your chest. That's going to be a bad day if he doesn't, you know, do it just right. For sure. Absolutely, man. And I, I, same same thing, man. I think all wrestlers, uh, you know, when they heard the, uh, oh, the, you know, this is fake, right? Or whatever. It's just so like, how dare you, you right. know, like pretty much just disrespect my craft and everybody that paved the way before me and everything like that. And I think it was just one of those things to where it's like, I think for the people in society, the normal average Joes, it's kind of hard for them to process things of like a guy flying off the top rope that's like nine feet in the air after you jump and landing on another guy without like intestines, blood and someone like just completely just being flattened, you know, and it's just like, oh, okay, that guy just holds his gut and then he just kind of walks his way to the back. But I can tell you this to back up you know, pro wrestling as we all do. And we, you know, we all love it and everything expect, you know, we respect the good and the bad. Um, pro wrestling taught me more about real life and things that are more real than we give them credit for than really anything else. Uh, it actually did the opposite, you know, uh, when it's perceived as fake and not real pro wrestling is actually one of the more real things I've ever dealt in my life, to be honest with you, as far as how people react, how people act towards things, um, mental toughness, lack of mental toughness, challenges and all that. And I know we're going to get into that, but yeah, pro wrestling taught me more real things about life than they, than not real things. You know what I mean? No, I completely agree, man. And I think that's, that's the, the perception that people don't get. I've often said, dude, when I first started wrestling training, I was a 21 year old kid. But when I started getting into it, that's when I became a man, like legit, because, you know, the training I I did, I'm I'm sure a lot of the training you did, it breaks you down. And it's, it's that like, okay, well, do you want to be a wrestler? And that's a question. I mean, all of us, you're in the middle of doing 200 Hindu squats. You, you are definitely really pondering that question. Do I want to be a pro wrestler? Because it's brutal. And, and that's the thing is, I don't know how many times, like, you know, me and Jack Gamble would joke because a guy would show up to the training school and we're like, well, this guy's going to puke in 20 minutes, you know, and it's just like you, you almost write them off because you're like, he probably just doesn't have it. Some of them would surprise us like, oh, this guy's got some heart. He has no athletic ability, no talent, but he does have some heart and heart. You can't you can't manufacture that. It's just either you have that or you don't. And I completely get what you're saying, because it, it does it does make you. You it opens your mind to so many different avenues of real life being in the professional wrestling industry. Yeah, for sure, man. And I think it's kind of funny how you said that, like, um, you know, oh, like, as I'm doing these Hindu squats, like, how bad do I want to be a pro wrestler? That's actually an exact quote that I say when I'm training people at Reality Wrestling, and I get those dreamers that come in, and with all due respect, because we're all dreamers to an extent. Um, And the thing is, is that when, like, people are stuck in wind, and they got their hands literally on their knees, and they're powered down, I literally just say, all right, who wants to be a pro wrestler, huh? We're going to find out wants to be a pro wrestler today so i think it's kind of funny that you said that because those are things that i told myself because it's like oh after that 50th burpee or the uh fourth round of uh tackle drop down leapfrog drills um how bad do i really want this (laughs) you know what i mean but 
you push through and you get through and you know not to sound like those uh those over exaggerated old school brother brothers at times but i mean pro wrestling training man um dude it was way harder than college football i'll tell you that right now uh, i played for west texas a&m and uh which ironically was the same uh university that guys like terry and dory funk and bruiser brody and stan hansen and dusty Rhodes and totally blanchard and and tito santana all played sports at some of them played football some of them played baseball and uh it was one of those things that like when i got into pro wrestling training i mean dude i was looking at football like oh there's nothing that's going to be tougher than these two a days sometimes three a days man after like two days of pro wrestling training i couldn't turn my head for like a week right. and i was hurting all over man so yeah man i mean once again pro wrestling taught me a lot more real things than they didn't you know what i mean no I, I completely get you and i'm sure you've seen like that trainee that face that they make after that very first back bump when you can tell this like it immediately they question every decision they've ever made in life like oh for sure <laughs> oh, this is not at all what I thought, and and you can just see it in their face. And I and like my my favorite quote was like, "All right, good, do it again." Yeah, <laughs> like man. you got the first one done. Now let's do uh, let's do you know twenty more. And you know, like I, I saw so many different guys kind of come and go. I remember we actually had one guy, one guy, me and Jack Gamble talk about him all the time. His name was Kevin, and he wore a headband, so his nickname became Headband Kevin, HBK. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah, I would have jumped on that train, dude. I totally would have. And so Headband Kevin was such a funny guy because I would see him at the gym. We're in this small town of Eldon, Missouri. You know, this kid, he's got blonde hair, kind of kind of young and kind of naive and stuff, but but a nice kid. And I'd be at the gym and I'd be doing something. And, of course, I got my earbuds in. I'm kind of in the zone or whatever. And he kind of walks right over to me. We make eye contact and he kind of just keeps on walking, makes a big circle and goes away. <laughs> and then, like, I'm like, okay, well. I don't, and I, I don't know this guy yet, or he hasn't actually signed up for the school. And I move on yeah. to the next thing. I'm doing my next exercise, and he kind of makes his way over. We look at each other. He kind of turns a circle and walks away. And I'm like, "All right, who is this guy?" Finally, he gets up the courage to come up and introduce himself. Asked if I was a wrestler. I was like, "Yeah, I'm a wrestler. I'm one of the trainers up there." And he's like, well, "I'm signing up for the school. I'll be there uh, Tuesday." And I'm like, "Awesome, man!" First guy there, last guy to leave. He had so much heart. He just poor kid had no athletic ability, like nothing, and. It was one of those things like after about a month of training, he came up, he shook everybody's hand, and he said, guys, I just, I don't think this is for me. And I'll tell you, man, it was heartbreaking because I was like, you know, I've seen so many idiots come through here that were dreamers, and, and this kid was in shape. He just he couldn't do it. And I told yeah. him, I was like, Kevin, man, here's the thing. Like, you can be a referee. You can be a manager. You can work your way into maybe this will start to, to make sense. And he goes, yeah, but I wouldn't be happy if I wasn't a wrestler. Yeah, I, just don't think, I don't think it's in the cards for me. And I remember, like, after he left, it was almost like, you know, like, we're all going to break down and cry because that was so sad to me because this guy, this kid, he really did. He tried, and he, he didn't quit on the cardio. He got himself in shape before he came. It just, athletically, it probably wasn't ever going to happen. And, that, like, you know, me and Gamble and some of the other guys that were there, we still bring that up from time to time because there's just like, damn, you know, like that. But that's you know, like you said, real life aspects of the business right there. Absolutely, man. You know, it's, um, I, I can tell you, I, I don't know, uh, headband Kevin, but, uh, I got, <laughs> just hearing you say that made me pop. 
Right. It's, a, it's such a great name. But like, I, I got a lot of respect for people like that, because uh, if, if you're honest with yourselves, that means you'll be honest with others, man. You know what I mean? And this business really isn't for a lot of people, not just from the physical aspect, for, but for the mental aspect, too, because it's not fair. I don't I mean, life isn't fair. We're in the entertainment business. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It's very cutthroat. And you got to be a certain type of individual to deal with a lot of the obstacles because there's the politics only get better. Uh, I mean, higher and, and more deeper the, the higher you go up the ladder. And, uh, you know, as, uh, when people come in to a facility to train and everything like that, because I, I feel for headbed, Kevin, because uh, when you walk in and you don't know anything or anyone and you're walking into a very intimidating environment as pro wrestling and a bunch of pro wrestlers, most of them probably be in good shape and probably not the most socially acceptable individuals, you know, because no one really knows how to communicate except for, you know, headlocks and body slams. You know what I mean? It's like to me, like whenever I meet someone new that wants to try and see if they're up to the challenge, I always want to make them feel welcomed because I know what it's like to be on the opposite end of going into an unfamiliar territory environment, everything like that. And uh, just make them feel like, hey, man, like, you know, here, here's what you can offer. Here's what's possible. But also at the same time, Here's what's real, man. Uh, there's probably a good chance uh, you're going to try and start this, and this might not be for you. So you need to accept that because, you know, once again, as, as the head trainer for Reality Wrestling, I get so many people that come up and they'll tell me their dreams and what they want to do. And, oh, brother, I'm going to main event WrestleMania. Went to, like, dude, that's fine. But, you know, no offense. No one gives a shit about your dream. It all depends on how much work you want to put in and, you know, to see how far you want to go with this. And, you know, some people pan out. Some people don't, man, you know, and that's just the way it is. But I got much respect for Headband Kevin. Well, and, and what's funny is, you know, after after Headband Kevin left, this other kid shows up and his name's Dustin and he's got Dustin Star tattooed, like Dustin on one arm, Star on the other, but with two R's, you know, because all about them copyrights, I guess. Because you got you got to be cool and add things when you don't have to. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And, and so like day one, he's wearing his, uh, you know, his John Morrison T-shirt. Day two, oh, it's his no, Rey Mysterio yeah. T-shirt. And oh, and here's and that and this is another weird faux pas of wrestling. You don't do that, right? Like, yeah. It's just that it's that weird. Like, oh, nice John Morrison shirt, pal. You know, like it's, it's like oh, everyone has a comment, right? And yeah. and so like. We, you know, of course, he starts adding us on Facebook and things of that nature. And this kid just had no, he had no reason. He had, there's no reason he should have been in the ring. And and so I'm like, Dustin Star is that is that going to be your wrestling name? Oh well, yeah, I kind of want that to be my wrestling name. I was like, you know, there's already a Dustin Star, and I don't know if there was, but I just told him that. And he's like, really? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, and and he we used to do a thing after our regular conditioning that we did every day. We had an ab wheel and we had these push-up bars on like this bench. And so we would do um, five sets of 30 push-ups on the push-up bars and we do uh, five sets of 10 on the ab wheel. And everyone did it and you kind of just alternate, took turns. Dustin Starr couldn't finish 30 reps without stopping. And it took him, you know, way longer than anyone else on the ab wheel. Yeah. Yet somehow Dustin Starr was one of the first ones done. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so it's just one of those things, like, you start noticing, you're like, did you do them all? And he was like, yeah, I did them all. I was like, really? I was like, that, that's interesting, because no one else is done yet, but you're done. And, you know, you take longer than everybody. Okay. Right. So the next day, I had a guy watch, counted, and, yeah, he didn't do them all. He did, like, three sets of each. I was like, guys, today, Dustin Starr did not feel like he needed to complete all his sets 
So we're all going to do another round. <laughs> it, it's just one of those things like he clearly did not get himself in shape, he, but he was a dreamer. And I, and I think it's okay to have someone who is a dreamer, but usually that reality is checked very, very quickly. Yeah, for sure, man. And, you know, once again, I, I think, um, you know, when I look at things like this, knowing what I know now and continue to know and learn as I go through my pro wrestling journey, um, it's just on the fact of like things like that of getting called out by someone like you that would, you know, toughen somebody up or call them out on their bullshit. That's really beneficial, man. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I never go out of my way to try and like make somebody feel inadequate or try and be confrontational because of ego or I've been doing this for X amount of years, brother, brother or right. whatever. But I really do feel that it's necessary that you have to call people out on their shit because that's the only way that you're going to learn because you might not even realizing that you've been bullshitting this whole time. Then once somebody from outside of you actually recognizes that, then they can actually grow from it or worst case scenario, they end up and quit. And now you got one less procrastinator inside the world of pro wrestling. So either way, to me, it's a win win. I go back to a quote I heard from uh, actually from Bobby Fish um, when I was in Japan and he was talking about kind of that same thing. He's like, you know, back in the day we heard, you know, Hogan's trainer, uh, Hiro Matsuda, broke his leg the first day to see if he'd come back, which he did, obviously, and became one of the biggest names in the history of the business. But we hear something like that in 2020. You're like, oh, that's unacceptable. Can't do that. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. Who are you talking about? What was that guy's name again? Hiro Matsuda. No, no, no. The other guy. Hulk Hogan. Oh yeah, I never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he made a dollar or two in the business. Yeah, look him up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Somebody said something about him the other day, I think, and all I heard was that uh, he just counted a lot of lights. That's all I heard. Some, he something about that. Yeah, he counted yeah, a lot right. of a lot of dollar bills after them leg drops. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. But but anyway, going back to what I was saying, like, uh, and, and what Bobby Fish said, he goes, "You hear something like that, and you think, well, that's not." going to be acceptable in this day and age. And, you know, this was back in 2011, years ago when he was telling me this. He said, but at the same time, this current landscape of wrestling does have a lot more people that should probably be be buying a ticket than sitting in the locker room. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Right. I absolutely couldn't agree more. Now, I don't condone going out and breaking people's limbs. Right. Obviously, that's too far, but it's right. kind of like, okay, well, now we don't do that, and look what's happened on the other end. No, for sure. For sure, man. And that's that's why I really believe that, like, when if, the, if somebody joins a legit pro wrestling school, um, you really need to throw them in the fire real quickly. And that just means a lot of squats, a lot of push ups, a lot of calisthenics, things of that nature, you know, the body weight exercises and then be like, all right, set up the ring, do this, learn the business, learn the marketing of flyers and social media pushing and, and everything like that and pay those damn dues, you know what I mean? But unfortunately, the thing is, though, is that, you know, younger people today, uh, when they get in, they pretty much, and, you know, it's, it's also got to give them credit for being a little creative, but it's a lot easier for them to kind of finagle their way into the business. And I also blame people that, like, are too lazy to do certain things to kind of protect the nuances of certain things in pro wrestling. Cause they'll just allow glorified fans to come in. And then the next thing, you know, you're sharing a locker room with a dude that bought a ticket three months prior. Right. And to me, I have a problem with that. Like if you're going to be a part of pro wrestling, you need to provide value 
first before you can expect any dollar to be made from it. And that comes from a talent perspective of somebody like an in-ring competitor or an announcer, a manager, somebody that handles social media, you know, all these different things. Because trust me, I was just talking about this the other day to a, uh, to a friend to where there are wrestling fans in, in, in my area, in the Texas area that God love them. I, you know, I have no disrespect for them and, you know, I really appreciate their support when they buy tickets, but more and more, it's like, they'll, they'll go to every indie show. And then the next thing, you know, they want to do a podcast. And then from that podcast, they want to turn themselves into a manager, a personality. Then the next thing, you know, they get on some show and then they put out something of going, Oh, uh, please book me for your next event. I'm like, dude, you were just at an autograph signing like four months ago, like taking pictures with whoever. I mean, let's say prior to the pandemic, obviously, but you know what I mean? It's just one of those things where like, I agree with the, the, with Bobby fish minus the, uh, you know, the breaking of the legs of hero Matsuda, which that's a very famous story, but that's just the whole thing. I, I feel like those type of things. Cause once again, if you get into any line of entertainment, whether that's music, television, movies, stuff like that, that'd like be the equivalent of like, Hey, I just learned how to play the guitar and now I'm going to try and get my way into being the opener for like Metallica or John Mayer or somebody. It's like that shit just doesn't happen, man. But for some reason in pro wrestling, it does. And quite frankly, it's one of the more annoying things in my opinion. No, it definitely is. And and you know, what's funny is when Dustin Starr quit our, you know, the training, which obviously like it was gonna, the guy, you know, he couldn't do anything. So it was, he wasn't going to last instead of coming in and talking to everybody. What does he do? He quits on Facebook and, and wow. like to me, I, I remember making that comparison to everyone. I was like, you know, I will take, I will take one headband Kevin for twenty Dustin stars, any yeah. day of the week. And sure. it's one of those things where like the fact that he came in and shook everybody's hand and said thank you for everything you've done, and it's just like, damn, you know what I mean. And then the other end of that, this kid comes in, trying to cheat, trying to you know whatever, and. I, I right. can't do of it, course. you know, and quits on Facebook. It's just like, yeah. it, it's, it's very, it was very telling of the type of person that he was and that wrestling wasn't going to happen for him. But, you know, like you said, you see so many guys. I remember a guy at a show I was at one time was sitting in the crowd, I guess. And I was, I was yelling at him or something as a heel. And he was there before the doors open, which, you know, that's kind of a, a, a thing where guys end up in that, like they do something and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, you hung some flyers. We'll let you in before the doors open type of thing. And, and he comes up to me and goes, hey, uh, I'll be sitting over there if you want to yell at me. And I was like, get the fuck away from me right now. <laughs> you know, like, awesome. You know what I mean? But it's it's like, and then I remember not long after that, I was doing this random match. And he was in this guy I was working's like stable. He was one of those guys. This is maybe yeah. a, a year later, less than that. Yeah. And I went to go those. I went to, you know, I was the baby face. And, you know, they were going to jump me. And I was going to get some heat back on him. And I went to go give him a work punch and uh, he doesn't know how to react to it. And so he does not react properly. As you know, first instinct is okay. I tried once. Second one's coming, coming live. Right. And then I, you know, like, but you get all these thoughts in your head. Like if I do this, this is not going to look well on me, even though that's like every instinct in my body is telling me that's what I need to do. Right. And then, you know, the guys, and and there's nothing against anyone in the situation. He just shouldn't have been out there. And one of the guys who booked the show was like, well, he's, he's kind of green. I'm like, well, no, he's never been trained. There's a huge difference in being kind of green and never been trained. I can wrestle a green guy if he's willing to listen and wants to be better. But 
there's something right. way different about just never being trained. Yeah, man. And, you know, once again, um, you know, I, I can try and understand from people that like they're trying to find different ways of getting into the business and right. do it and get into something that you love. And I'll never knock anything for that. But once again, provide value. I mean, everyone um, that wants to be a part of the business needs to understand the business and know what it's like to take a bump that knows what it's like to get hit, take a shot, things of that nature. And I put a lot of blame, not just on that person that wasn't trained or green or whatever, but I put that on the promoter. Sure. I put that on the matchmaker. I put that on everybody because you know, better rather than to put basically as in the words of Dr. Tom Pritchard to put a, uh, a citizen. <laughs> citizen that's a good word. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Dom's the best, but, uh, you put a citizen in the ring, like it, you know, like what, what do you think is going to happen? And that's the whole thing too, because like, we also know being a part of the business, like this isn't ballet as the old cliche goes, like it's a very physical endeavor and people do get hurt. Well, if a citizen's in the ring and doesn't know that it's such a physical business, they think they have an idea until they get hit in the mouth, then they might want to sue or not just sue you, but sue the company and right. things of that nature. So there's so much risk involved. And once again, this just goes back to uh, the people that are involved in the business. They need to create some value, value for the product, value for themselves. Actually, adding the value for yourself is adding value to other people's products and things, sharing things on social media, right. uh, uh, pretty much marketing events, things of that nature, regardless where you are. You know what I mean? And like, I feel like a lot of people don't do that. They're more of marks for themselves than marks for the business. And to me, that just doesn't get that doesn't help anyone. No, and you're absolutely right. And that's and that's the thing is like that guy disappeared shortly thereafter. But I think he's looking at pro wrestling as playtime. And to me, you know, I think me and you probably very similar have mindset here. I've never not taken the business seriously. You know, and every time I've thrown a punch, I've thrown it. I'm not trying to knock your teeth out, but I will make contact just like you did. And right. it's it's one of those things where you sometimes maybe take that for granted. Like this guy's coming out as a manager or, a, or, you know, part of a stable or whatever it was. I assume, which that that's on me too. Maybe he's done something, but obviously he hadn't. And it, you know, then you end up in that situation, which is just bad for everybody. I mean, what if, what if they had said something like, Hey, you know, let him, uh, let him give you a drop kick. And he drop kicks me in the knee. Cause I mean, First time you see someone throw a drop kick, it ain't it ain't looking like Bob Holly, you know, obviously. So yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it's, no it's, kidding. It's one of those things like you never know what you're gonna get with someone who doesn't know the fundamentals. And it's right. like some some someone not learning fundamentals this day and age is just it's a recipe for disaster. Right. And I and once again, like just you hit so many good points. And I feel like if anybody's going to be a part of this business, they need to know what it's like to take a bump or at least they don't have to be great at it. Just know what it's like. You need to know the basic fundamentals, like what these guys go through, especially from announcers perspective, the referees, even at that, like you need to know like what it's like to get chopped or get hit or things of that nature, because you can display that better. Uh, inside the ring or especially an announcer like if an announcer takes a bump and they're like holy crap that hurts because guess what it does right it hurts they can it makes them better when they're announcing because they're the communication uh they're the line of communication between what's going on in the ring and the audience okay that's watching or what have you and the fact that if you know what it's like to take a bump and to get slammed 
then you can better portray that verbally for the audience so they have a better effect of going, God, by the way, that sounds the way that so-and-so is putting it off. Like, geez, like how is this guy going to get out of this situation by being slammed so many times? And it just draws people in more. But, you know, once again, unfortunately, that would be in a perfect world, I guess, of the wacky world of pro wrestling. But yet we have so many people that just once again, power of social media you know it uh, perceptions reality and they can manipulate that perception however they want and then feel like that they're bigger than what they are even though they don't add any value to anything and then it's just a downward spiral of you just got a bunch of people that aren't fully committed being in a business to where you have to be fully committed into it if you want to get anywhere yeah and, and, and so many great points there you know and i i know early on I remember training at WLW and one of the referees was in there taking bumps with us. And yeah. I remember, you know, introducing myself. Hey, hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. And he's like, oh, hey, my name's Brandon. His name is Brandon Schmidt. He's been a referee for WLW for years. Right. I was like, so you're just getting started wrestling? He's like, uh, no, I'm actually here to be a referee, but I don't I don't know if they know that. And Harley's making me take bumps. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, obviously I'm laughing because he's kind of just whispering this to me, right? And I'm like, right. oh, really? And I'm like, maybe we should tell someone. No, that was that was Harley's 100% intention. He's like, you want to be in that ring? You need to respect what these guys do. Absolutely. I mean, he made Dan Geyer, you know, and you know Dan Geyer. He made him take a bump on the boards one time. Um, they, 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 wow. they were setting the ring up. It was before I got there, I guess. But they had all the boards on. He's like, hey, don't put the mats on yet. Geyer, get in there and take a bump. See what that's like. And, and Geyer did. And, you know, Geyer has a ton of respect for the business. But I think it's one of those things like, Number one, see if he'll do it. Yeah. If he'll do it and, you know, he survives it and sees what it's like. Like, you're right. It does create that, wow, that really hurts, you know, and brings that that full, you know, thought process forward of, like, this is not fun and games. This is not playtime. This is very serious. And, and right. again, I, a perspective I always tell people, and no one will understand this until you're in a ring, lay down on the mat. Let a 250-pound man stand on the top rope with the intention of, say, an elbow drop or a leg drop, knowing he's going to land exactly perfectly. And if he doesn't, it's going to be a really bad day at the office. And right. just see that perspective. I'll never forget the one of my first matches. A guy said he was going to get me with a top rope leg drop. And I remember that perspective of seeing him jump off there. I mean, there's not a feeling like that in the world. He landed yeah. perfectly, and it was fine. But that's still scary as hell. Absolutely. Especially, you know, with those leg drops, too, because I mean, that leg drop for sure. It's something about a leg drop, man, where a guy's, you know, looks like he's going to sit right on top of your head. That is so scary to see. And then also on top of that, too, it's like when a guy does like a 450 or a moonsault right. on top of you, man, like those are even still to this day, as long as you and I have been a part of the business and everything like that, uh, that's dude, that that will still give you those butterflies not in a good way no, no. <laughs> yeah, a little nervous but yeah man and much respect to harley i mean of course everyone knows uh harley race uh, the greatest wrestler on god's green earth may rest in peace um and everything and, and i i totally agree with that sentiment of just like you want to know what it's like to be in the ring then you need to you need to feel the full effects of it and everything like that and once again better portray to people that don't know uh what it's like to give them a taste you know what i mean and that's just the whole thing and um, it, it's just very interesting to me. I'm just like people that just don't seem to grasp that or they kind of uh, skim their way around that. And um, to me, you're just you're just hurting the business rather than making it grow and making it better. No. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, 
to kind of kind of switch gears a little bit, you know, as a pro wrestler and, you know, being a normal guy, working a normal job while you're trying to in that process of trying to get to the next level, we've all faced that. We, we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier of, you know, finding that person that finds out you're a wrestler or, you know, that you have that look like you're somebody or you're something. And so, so you do what you're a wrestler. I'm like, yeah. Like what, what, what kind of wrestling, like pro wrestling, like, like, like WWE. It's like, yeah, like that, but it's, you know, on a smaller scale, it's independent and stuff. And, and then all the questions start coming in because I've realized in my time, which I never would have assumed this because I was so connected to the business as a fan, obviously that, so few people know anything about wrestling. So all the questions start coming in and they're so out of left field. Like I know for me, uh, me and Elvis Aliaga joke about this all the time. It's like, Oh, so did you wrestle in high school? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, well, you know, I have a cousin. He wrestled in high school. It's like, great. <laughs> you know, like you just kind of like fantastic. That's great for him. You know, like that's not at all what I do. So thanks for bringing irrelevance to the conversation. Oh, dude, for sure. Or, or it'd be like the whole thing of like they ask you like kind of like that three part question, like, oh, you're a wrestler. Oh, what kind of wrestling? How is that? Oh, man, I really liked that when I was a kid. I watched that when I was a kid. You right. know what I mean? It's all like, what, what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say I'm a kid? I'm a grown ass man. You know right, what I mean? Right. It's like, it's just like, OK, or they'll just give like the, the like and God bless them, because once again, you said it perfectly. They don't really know anything about wrestling so they'll just sure. ask questions and they'll say like do you know john cena <laughs> you know or do have you ever met the rock and it's just like man if i did and i was friends with those people do you think i'd be here right now or right. like talking you know and you try not to be disrespectful you try and be jokingly and stuff like that but also you catch on to people too they like ask you these questions where like they're very passive aggressive Right. with those questions and like when i when i pick up on that passive aggressiveness and me being the delusional optimist naive positive i see the good in everybody type of guy that i am you know i, I it'll take a, a a good amount for me to be like oh okay asshole you're just trying to mock me all right well let's let's make this night more interesting and then i'll right. just throw it right back at him but yeah man it's always uh it's always an interesting uh endeavor whenever you have people that know jack squat about pro wrestling just try and ask that and then there's some people that are very interested like how do you get into that like what do you what is that and then that's when it just becomes an interesting conversation well and because those people you know they i think are usually like wow that's an interesting thing i don't know anyone that's a pro wrestler so i have questions and i do get that and I don't want to discourage people from asking people about wrestling, but a, a funny story to tell you, the very first time I was ever an extra, I'm less than eight months in the business, but a guy got hurt, hardly sent me. They needed six people. There I was, you know, and this is 2008 and it happened to be, it was actually the night that CM Punk cashed in money in the bank. And so as I was a security guard on raw and we actually six of us held John Cena while JBL punched him. And I remember thinking, like, when they were telling us what we were going to do, I was like, oh, holy shit, we're, like, in a big angle. Like, that doesn't happen that often. And then later on in the show, during the main event, which is CM Punk and JBL, John Cena comes back out with Crime Time and uh, rest in peace, Shad Gaspard. Yep. And uh, they beat us up and kind of, you know, Punk does a big dive to get Raw off the air. And it was a pretty cool angle to be a part of, to be honest with you. And because I'm so green I'm just like, wow, I'm on Raw. So anyway, at that same time, a guy I work with, I'm kind of texting him like, dude, I'm going to be, he's a wrestler too. I'm going to be on Raw. He's like, really? And I I kind of was like, I'm going to be a security guard. So he knows kind of what to look for. 
Right. So everyone at my work, which is at a Chili's, you know, where they pepper in the fun. God, I hate that place. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so he turns it on in the bar. So everybody's there. You know, had seen me yesterday, seen me live on, on Raw in the ring with John Cena. Biggest right. name in the business at that time. Yeah. Possibly ever, right? And right. and so I get back to work. And, you know, of course, there's a lot of regulars there in the restaurant. Word travels fast, so everyone's talking about it. Initially, I'm thinking, like, man, this is kind of cool. Everyone thinks I'm a big shot, right? Right, right. Well, then, like, it starts filtering in. Now it's been three days and four days. And, like, we'll have customers come in. The guy's like, this lady's like, so I heard you were on uh, you were on WWE. And I was like, yeah, I was on there last, last Monday doing a thing with, you know, doing whatever and being a security guard or whatever. She's like, oh, that's so cool. So... So you're, you're like with them now? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. That's why I'm filling up your tea, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know no what I mean? Or- but it's it's like you don't even realize how insulting you are right now. Like if, right. if, if, that, if I signed a deal that night, I'm not coming back. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there's yeah. no putting in my two weeks notice at Chili's. Like I'm at, I'm at the door. And it's like people just do not understand that. And I'm like. I'm like an extra at a party in a movie. You're not paying right. attention to that guy, but they yeah. they don't see it that way because they don't know wrestling, right? So they're just focused. Oh, I know this guy, this random dude of of six dudes in black security shirts. I work with him, so oh my gosh, he seems like a big deal. But and that's and that's part of the wrestling business, as you know. I'm sure you've been an extra where you're on TV. Everyone's like, oh man, I saw you on Raw. That's so cool. Then the next week goes by. Then the next week goes by. No one remembers. Right. Yeah. No, I um, actually just had a guy uh, message me today that lives uh, or rents out of a house that my dad owns. And uh, he basically just told me like, oh, my, uh, your dad told me that you were a, a, a wrestler. I never knew that you were a wrestler. I was like, oh, I'm surprised he didn't he didn't uh, tell you about it or whatever. And he was like, so do you wrestle for the WWF? And I go, no, I've, I've just done a few events for the WWE. That was that was the only thing about it. And he's like, oh, that's pretty cool. But it's also like the same thing. It's like, you know, oh, uh, well, I mean, are you with them now? It's just all right. like, bro, come on, man. Like I mean, in your case, at Chili's like, oh are you with them i'm like well since i'm rolling in the dough you're gonna get some extra lemons in that iced tea there sweetheart you're talking to a star you know what i mean right like, or, or like the the statement always comes up like yeah i used to oh, i used to watch that all the time you remember you remember kevin nash i'm like yeah, yeah. sure do yeah. from his what uh up? from his fabulous in-ring work and the punisher amongst many other films super <laughs> shredder you know and it's like I, I really liked him i'm like yeah all right, yeah. well, you know, it's like it's so weird how the conversation kind of rails off in those weird directions. Because again, you know, I've been asked this before, like, you know, when I was with WLW, it's like, who do you wrestle for? I wrestle for World League Wrestling. Well, what's that? It's a, you know, it's an independent company based out of Missouri here. I'm like, oh, really? You know, is it pay right. a lot? And I'm like, no, not really. Yeah, no kidding. Well, yeah. why, do, why do you do it? Because I'm stupid, I don't know. <laughs> like, right, exactly. It's like because I because I love this. Yeah, I basically just tell people just and then I try and put it in like real life terms as best I can. It's like, oh well, what company is that? Do you wrestle for any uh, regular companies? It's like, yeah, just think of me as like an independent contractor, and right. I just basically like go around because that's really what we are i mean from the technical aspects of it it's like i'm an independent contractor to where i basically provide my services under that line of entertainment and i work for this company and that company and they pay me for my services for that event and they're like oh okay cool especially if you're talking to somebody that's like in trade work and stuff like that like electricians or anything like that because you get those independent contracting electricians that 
they'll get signed to a to a job or a project for a couple months for under one company and then they'll go to another one so everybody understands from that standpoint but other than that yeah man I, like i said i just try and keep things in the, uh real life terms for people to understand that ask me those type of questions from that and then sometimes it's kind of hard because once again like how you said oh do you make a lot of money at that uh well no not really and i would just say like well I always tell this blanket statement. I always go, and you know what? Large or small, it's enough to make me keep doing this. There you and go. That's a good all. answer. I, I leave it at that. I, I leave it at that. That's all I say. Well, it, it kind of makes you want to go back like, well, what do you make at your job? Can I see your W-2? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why would you ask such a, a random question? It's like, yeah, I'm rich. That's why I'm talking to you right now. You know, like it's, it's right. I don't know. It's, it's a very bizarre thing. But But again, I think a lot of people – when they think WWE or they think pro wrestling, you know, as a whole, they think WWE. Right. You know, I think if you if you if you polled a hundred people walking out of a WWE event, you know, venue, like when, of course, when things were still open and stuff, and asked any of them if they knew another wrestling organization, there's probably several that are going to not know anything. And I, and I equate that to how a independent show can have two hundred people, but then you can go down the street to the BOK center here in Tulsa and have 15,000. That's a huge right. gap in, in ratios there. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, man. So, you know, I, I don't know. I just always kind of just, I, obviously there's that huge market of, of that. And then, you know, people will see independent wrestling and I think sometimes they don't know what to expect. And I oftentimes will even say, it's kind of like an independent movie. No, Usually there'll be an actor there that, you may have seen a long time ago, but you you know you don't really see him in a lot today, or a guy that's just you know doing someone a favor you know for a director that he may be a friend of or whatever, and yeah. it's going to be a little bit more low budget, but it might be surprisingly good. Yeah, no, that's a good way of putting it. I never heard it being put in that way as far as like a live action independent movie. I basically just tell people just like, hey, it's it's just live action theater. The right. only thing is that you just have a bunch of muscled up dudes or maybe not so muscled up dudes get in there and then every once in a while you might be like oh yeah i remember that person but the way that you put it i think it had a lot more uh elegance to it so i kind of like that and i might steal that for now on of just saying yeah like an independent movie you know what i mean that's pretty smart well and, and that's the thing is i actually got that from a good old simon gotch because he had said that to someone once i was like wow that's that like you said it's very elegant it's a good way of putting it but he was like you know but you know, nine out of 10 independent movies are not very good. So nine out of 10 independent yeah. shows may not be the best, but at, at the same time, there's a good chance on most independent shows. You will at least see one or two guys. You're like, okay, th- all these guys shouldn't be on the show, but that one guy, that guy's good. That right. guy, the right opportunity could probably go somewhere. And so, you know, I look at it like, you know, you want to support guys in WWE. That's great. But support them on the way up too. Go to a local show. Obviously, this is not consistent with how things are in today's climate. But perfect world, things are back to normal or as normal as they're going to be. Go to those independent shows. See those guys. Buy their t-shirts. Things yeah. like that. Like it's going to help them out so much more than just you know. Well, I watch the I watch WWE. Like watch other stuff. You know. And and that thing is too with that. You might be surprised. You might. Tune into, you know, an AEW, a New Japan, a Ring of Honor, an MLW, Reality of Wrestling, and yeah. NWA when that was kind of still going around. And you might really be surprised with how good a lot of this can be. Yeah, man, for sure. And I'm glad you said that, too, because I tell um, 
you know, I, I tell people, I've told wrestlers and I've told people that are, you know, that are fans. I'm like, you know, you need to look at pro wrestlers when you do these independent shows. Like if you go out to a restaurant and you can really relate to this, being a, being a former waiter yourself. And I was in the food industry for a little bit in my younger days. Uh, you need to look at wrestlers like waiters and waitresses, man, to where like we get paid a base pay for like the transportation depending on where we come from and then of course the match but that commission is our merchandise sure that the eight by tens that's the stickers that's the shirts everything like that and granted you don't ever need to feel pressure to buy something but also at the same time it's like if you go to a restaurant the kind of the golden rule is that don't go out to eat unless you know that you can give a tip sure i mean usually just the way it is and i kind of tell people the same thing don't go to an independent show unless you know you can support someone's cause or things of that nature large or small man like the eight by tens add up man you don't if you can buy a shirt every time cool but yeah at the same time like don't you know you don't have to feel like that you have to buy a shirt every time but i do appreciate the fans that do understand and stuff like that but also at the same time it's a slippery slope because the way that the business has been uh changing especially on the independent realm is that i see more and more that wrestlers cater more to the fans than the fans cater more to the wrestlers because the wrestlers like they live and die really and is and you know just like i do the full swing ones before the pandemic that they were doing five, six bookings a week and everything that they were making all their money on besides what the promoter was paying them and everything was how many shirts did they sell, how much merch did they sell, things of that nature. But it kind of gets into the grass where you're giving more power to the fans than you actually should. I mean, there's no dispute that, I mean, we wouldn't be anything without the fans, but also at the same time, it's like you don't see Brad Pitt out there out in the movie theater trying to beg people to go buy a ticket to see his movie right so why would you need to like beg fans to be like hey do this or that or make a bunch of false promises just to, you know metaphorically sell your soul for a t-shirt sale you know what i mean like to me it just doesn't seem worth it let alone the fact that fans need to understand to where it's like you know appreciate the support but don't abuse that support to where you know you get that whole cliche of like fans saying like oh i bought your house through all the events like you didn't buy my house or you didn't buy this or that you know you'll hear those stories of like from different fans they'll say things like oh can i have an autograph and let's say the the wrestlers out you know traveling 18 hours tired you know they're sick they're whatever they got to make two more shots before they can go home for a day and then turn around and do it all over again and one guy wants to be a jerk about uh getting an autograph and the fan says oh well i pay your house i, I pay your bills through for the ticket purchases like you need to you, you, i deserve an autograph you know what i mean like that's overstepping boundaries and unfortunately you're going to have people like that but once again man it's a slippery slope with people man from things inside and outside the ring and i've thought that for a long time where i think the general consensus of is just be a normal human being when you're in those situations you know um and this could actually go to another whole topic but i completely agree and i think sometimes too what people need to understand is buying that t-shirt that eight by ten that trading card whatever it might be that may be the difference of this guy buying just gas or gas and dinner oh and, dude for sure and and that's something to, to think about with these guys but you know um, I, got, I gotta get your opinion on this because there's always these faux pas in wrestling like these unwritten rules you shake yeah. everybody's hand you know you, you always you always do that but then I'll, i've seen guys that are kind of egotistical come in hello 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 shake everyone's hand but they don't even make eye contact they don't care yeah. like they want to do it so i'm like so that's better 
You know, because I'm of the mindset, like, because people ask me that all the time. I'm like, just be a normal human being. If people are talking, don't go stand there awkwardly until they acknowledge you to shake their hand. I think that is weird as hell. I've never liked that. No, I'm, I'm with you on that too thing. I used to be very, um, I used to be very like pro shake everyone's hand and introduce yourselves to everyone when you go into the event. And, and a lot of times I still do the same thing just because like I, once again, um, I, I like to have a welcome, warm greetings and, and for people and everything like that for events or, you know, when I go into a different event, like, you know, I want to appreciate it. I'm the type of guy to where like, I don't just shake hands or, uh, dab the fist now since we're in the pandemic and everything uh for just the wrestlers in the locker room but a lot of the people like the stage hands man the people that are in production the commentators because those are the people that are standing there making sure that you look good and they're holding the equipment and everything like that so i go out of my way to do that because i recognize the work that they put in and stuff but also at the same time like i get it too to where it's like hey you know that like there's 30 or 40 people back there and let's say you're running a little late or let's say you need to get with so-and-so to go over your match or anything like that. So maybe you don't have time to shake everyone's hand. So you do a wave and go, hey, guys, good seeing y'all. How's everybody? Okay, cool. Let me drop my bag. I'll take care of it. I'll be right back. And then you go do your thing, and then it's then it's fine. Right. you know. But I'm the, I'm the same way to where, like, if you're going to shake my hand, look at me while you do it. Um, with all due respect to Booker, and I love Booker to death. He's taught me so much. But there were times that he would really like, go to shake my hand, and he wouldn't even look at me. Because mm-hmm. he'd be like talking to someone else or something, and like that used to piss me off so bad. Sure. Because, like, as a man, not questioning anyone's manhood, but like out of respect for just a human being. And I don't think he t- meant to do it in a way that was disrespectful. Probably didn't even re- realize that he was doing it, but it used to just irk me so bad. Like, just like, bro, you look at my, you look at me when you shake my hand or acknowledge my existence. Like, that's, that's all you have to do. Right. And those type of things. So for me to answer your question, well, besides me going on long tangents like we normally do, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I think it's important to shake hands, but I wouldn't live and die on it. And yeah. I, like, that's also another thing, too, because I think that goes in pertaining to getting heat, which is the biggest load of shit yes. uh, in the pro wrestling business. Excuse my French, because. You know, people always ask, well, how do you act or how do you not step on toes? And quite frankly, I always tell them like, well, treat this like this. This is a job. Yes. Like if you had your nine to five, would you want to be with someone that they would want to share a shift with? Or they'd be like, oh, God, so and so I got to work with so and so tonight because right. everybody knows what that coworker's like that. You're just like, oh, my God. I oh, can't I got one. It. Trust me. I know. Or that- or that boss or whatever, you know what I mean? And that's the whole thing. It's like, be that person that everybody wants to work with. You don't have to be best friends with people that you're at your job with. You just want to know that if you go in there on a Monday, because nine times out of 10, most people dread the Mondays, right? When they go in for nine to five, uh, be that person that makes that Monday just a tad bit better. A good morning. Hey, how are you? Hey, your shirt looks nice. This, that, whatever. Not that you have to go over the top, but just be the person that everybody likes either having around or doesn't mind working with you know what i mean and that's what i try and tell people and not worry about the heat because once again the heat man it's just like it's so self-manipulating and inflicted it's just ridiculous and i'm guilty of it just like anybody else no and and i think when you were talking about like you know brightening up people's days i think that sometimes is like i i look at that as your energy you know 
Like if you have a guy or a girl, anyone that you work with, that's like, Oh my God, this job sucks. I know they're going to lay us off. I know this, I know that It, it, it creates a bad vibe. It creates a bad energy, but why create a negative energy when you're around, you know, bad company corrupts good character. I'm sure you've heard that quote before. And, Absolutely. And, and it's, and it's hundred percent true. But like, if you can be a positive force in someone's life, where you're like, well, this guy's funny or this guy's kind of upbeat or, you know, he'll, he'll joke around, maybe even make fun of himself if he needs to. It does create that positive vibe around you where people would rather you be around than not, you know what I mean? And I, and I right. think that that's so, so important in, in today's world, especially times like this. Oh, absolutely, man. You know, and I mean, people can question on whether wrestling should be going on due to a pandemic or not. And I have my own opinions on it and everything like that. But nonetheless, while events are going on or anything like that, you know, I, I think it's uh, I think it's something that the, the Rock always says uh, on his Instagram or whatever, that he got a lesson from his mom. And it totally applies to just life, not just pro wrestling, that it's it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. And. You know, that's something the Dalai Lama says when somebody's like, what, what can you do to have a better life? And pe- and he just simply just goes, you can always be kinder. Like, there that's the go. thing. You don't you don't ever you, you, don't, you know, you don't, I'm not saying you have to, like, go over the top and be a people pleaser uh, and sacrifice yourself and your own wants and needs and feelings and things of that nature. But it doesn't hurt to just be a, a, a good person just in general or just a person that people just don't mind having around do you know what i mean and if you can make a joke or two and be funny and brighten someone's day then even better but no one wants somebody to be around that not only complains a lot because let's face it no one gives a shit what you complain about because they're not you let alone the fact like hell man like you never know what somebody's day is going through man maybe that compliment can totally change their whole day or the fact that you you say that one negative thing and it could totally shift their mindset or develop a perception about yourself man and then just once again it's just unnecessary just you know choose to always be on the positive side of things as best you can no i i definitely agree man and i don't want to keep you here all night i know you uh it's kind of getting late and everything but uh one thing i do want to touch on before we wrap up you have actually because apparently much like me and other people you just despise spare time you have started your own podcast yeah man for sure uh i think you know, I, I've, I've talked to you about it in the past and everything like that. It was something that I highly procrastinated on for years. And, you know, I used to be a full-time Uber and Lyft driver a few years ago while I was in between jobs. So I always had people say, hey, you have a voice for radio. Do you do radio work or anything like that? And I've always loved podcasting. So I basically just put my first, my best foot forward and had some things work out work out for me and started my own podcast man and i know i burned your ear off with a whole bunch of questions and everything like that since you definitely have more experience in it than i do but yeah man the leisure lariats podcast is available on all major podcast platforms i've been doing it since pretty much the beginning of the pandemic i just finished uh episode 27 which was a tribute to a uh to a friend of mine fellow wrestler that unfortunately passed away due to covid complications and everything but my podcast basically is just putting a pro wrestling uh, twist on things of like motivation and lessons learned that you can apply not only inside the ring but outside the ring uh, opinions I do different things like a book of the week because I feel like reading is is very important and I also do a match of the week and I try and put up uh, every week I put in uh, 
links to go ahead and watch that match in its entirety or show you where to go to watch it and things of that nature because you know you and i both love pro wrestling so much so we should obviously keep that momentum going but yeah man i love the leisure and lyrics podcast it's definitely a passion of mine uh i think it's something that i'm going to continue to do for as long as i possibly can and you know definitely do something if there's i look at it like this buddy if Joe Rogan can make a hundred million dollars off a podcast, then so can I. You know there you I mean? go. Set your goals high. Oh, I love it. Right. You know what I mean? So maybe it might not ever be that much, but hey, man, I mean, who would have thought someone can make that much money from a podcast, man? And I figure, why not you? Why not me? You know what I mean? And then we live in an abundant world and there's plenty to go around. So hell, one more podcast won't hurt. But yeah, Leisure Layers podcast, man, available on all podcast platforms, dropping uh, new episodes every Friday. I love it, man. That's awesome. I'm, I'm, I, I was super. I know you had talked to me about it a lot, and I was like, dude, I think you would be, you'd be great at this. And so I was really glad that you you got it going and got it rolling. And you know, for me, it's a, it's a huge creative outlet. I know sometimes it can be difficult because it is it is a lot of work more than people probably realize. But oh, it's, for sure. But it's a really rewarding platform too. And I think you know, creating something like this and then getting feedback from people I'm like, hey, man, I really enjoyed that episode, or I really enjoyed this, I really enjoyed that. That's Man, that's a really cool feeling, and that that's to me been the the part of podcasting that I think I love the most. Yeah, man, for sure. And and to back up on that, what you just said, um, you know, like I said, the latest uh, the latest episode I did was about uh, my buddy uh, Michael Faith, um, which was interesting because we were so close and really good friends for a lot of years, but we had a bad falling out and uh, didn't talk ever again. And I reached out to him a couple times, and he left me on red, and then mm-hmm. he passed away, and we never got to bury the hatchet on things over something that totally could have been buried within five minutes. But sure. what I'm getting at is, is that from that podcast and kind of releasing and talking talking about it and things of that nature and the, all the lessons that it brought up about not holding anim- animosity towards people and learning about life. I had his family reach out to me and tell me how much they enjoyed that podcast. And really, not only was it a good uh, tribute to him and how good of a person it was, but it was also raw and real because it recognized just you know, the faults and what we learned from him. And it wasn't burying anybody or anything like that. It was just being real and just wishing things were different. And that's the only thing that I would try and do with my podcast is that I want to try and be as raw and as real as I possibly can, because I'm, I'm a human being like anybody else, man. And we go through this crazy journey called life, dude. And, you know, I'm learning things and making mistakes just like anybody else, but I'm grateful for them all, man. And, uh, you know, that's, that's just what you get out of that. And I've been dude, like I'll, I'll say it here publicly. I really appreciate you taking the time through all the boxes and the text messages and things like that of really helping me out and, you know, sharing ideas and talking about, Oh, this works or don't ever do this if you can and things of that nature and everything in between, man. And it's really helped me, dude. So uh, I couldn't I couldn't talk about uh, the success of it without putting you over for it. And I really appreciate you helping me out along my podcast journey. You know, and, and that's I kind of look at that very similar to pro wrestling. I'll help anybody out if I can. I'm not going to sit there and tell you like, hey, I, I know all the answers. I know everything because I don't. I mean, this is kind of just a hobby for me. And I'm just it's a creative outlet. It's fun. I like to do it. And if people like to listen to it, I think that that's awesome. And if I can if I can share mistakes or failures that I, you know, had along the way, I will definitely do that. And uh, one thing I, I I haven't done this on every episode, but I do want to do it with certain people. And that's I want to throw at you just kind of out of the blue. Is there a match that you could recommend to somebody listening right now off the top of your head that maybe does not get enough love, but you think like they, they should go check it out? Oh, man. Um, 
doesn't get enough love. Uh, let me think about that for a split second. Uh, it's a little... Mm, I want to say it's controversial just because of the person that is involved in it. I'll give you, I'll give you two matches. I'll sure. give you two matches. Uh, the first match is fully loaded. 2000 WWF title is on the line. The rock versus Chris Benoit. Um, that to me is anything and everything. A wrestling match needs to be um up and down with with shane mcmahon on the outside helping benoit out and everything like that and just such a great match and you know the rock and benoit you know regardless of how their careers and lives panned out man you you can't dispute the fact that both those guys can go and i mean during that time that in my opinion those were the two of the best inside the ring and it was great and it was definitely one of my favorite matches another one too that I really, really like is uh, the match between Randy Orton and Christian, I believe, in 2009 at SummerSlam. I believe it was. I think it was 09, I think, or maybe it was 2012 or something. I don't know. But if you type in Christian, Randy Orton, SummerSlam, uh, I don't think that match gets enough love. Or the I Quit match with John Cena, Randy Orton. Uh, I can go on about Japanese wrestling because sure. I'm a big fan of japanese wrestling and everything like that but i'll just give those three right there i'll say the rock ben wall from fully loaded 2000 i'll say christian and randy orton uh from SummerSlam, and then of course randy orton john cena i quit match awesome I, there's a randy orton christian match i don't want to go i don't want to make this too long or anything i think it was from over the limit 2011 yeah. no that was that was amazing too that so, one is so good that one completely so changed psychology of wrestling for me yeah, man, that's that's um, that whole feud, man. Like I, I'll I'll argue this with anyone because I know everybody, and rightfully so. Uh, Edge and Christian, everybody was like, "Oh, Edge was like the Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty." I mean, Christian was kind of like the Marty Jannetty of the group, if you want to throw the the labels on it. But like to me, I always thought that Christian was a better wrestler. Just yes. in the ring, just the better wrestler. And I was always gun ho for Christian. And like when that match happened at over the limit, I was sitting there like my chest puffed out. I'm like, see, who's the better wrestler right, right there? Like, you know what I mean? Because Edge and Orton wrestled a bunch of that time. And no offense to Edge, they didn't have a match like that, man. And Christian and Orton fucking rocked it, dude. And I love that match. Good call. No, I think I think what it is is Edge was the star and he was viewed as the star. Christian yeah. wasn't. But like you said, his work, I mean. To me, what what made Christian also too so marketable, and we're getting off on a whole other tangent here. He was having good <laughs> matches that, with guys that weren't known for having good matches, and to me, that's right. another staple of a really good worker. Yeah, Christian and Ezekiel Jackson. Right, uh, that's they, that's the first one I thought of. Yeah, bro, that match right there. I, I show anyone that of like you can have a good match with anybody because right. with all the respect to Ezekiel Jackson, like he was a good talent, but also at the same time he was very green, not as experienced as Christian and Christian made him look like a star like if he was born to do this man and it was all props to Christian I can tell you one of the most complicated complimented guys from Booker T uh, in the pro wrestling business and the two guys he complimented the most was Brandy Orton and Christian um those were always guys that he always talked about that was just like you know man you know he would always say something about orton but when it came to like christian or anybody he's like man there's something about canadians man christian rick martell all those guys so yeah man he always talked about bret hart as well but yeah christian major props to him 
Absolutely. Well, I know your your social media is at rdbear57. If anyone wants to follow you on uh, on the Twitter machine or or uh, Instagram or anything like that, but dude, this has been a blast. It's been way too long since we podcasted. It's great catching up, and I hope everyone enjoyed it out there. Awesome, man. I did, man. And thank you so much for the time, brother. You know I love you. You know if you need anything, you can always reach out to me. Appreciate it, man. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up episode three of You Know It's Fake, right? The ongoing battle with the dirtiest four-letter word in professional wrestling. And as we talked about in the show, make sure to check out Ruthless Ryan Davidson's podcast, The Leisure and Lariat's podcast. And in a weird, totally unplanned coincidence, the week I'm dropping this today will be the day Ruthless Ryan Davidson drops the episode with me on his show. So um, we recorded them at different times thinking like, oh, that way they will be a few weeks apart. No big deal. And timing is everything. And I'm going to be on his show the exact same day. So you're going to listen to this. Go check out Leisure and Lariat's podcast. I believe it's a two-parter with me. And part one will be upload, um, uploaded Excuse me, today. So check that out. And as I mentioned in the early part of the show, uh, our my first giveaway. It's an Elite 80 Kyle O'Reilly chase figure um, includes the NXT tag team title. Um, you'll go on my Twitter account, follow the rules on the contest, and I'm going to have my niece and nephew back on next week, and they will pick out a winner. I've got a randomizer that I'm going to let them use to pick the winner. So that will be coming up hopefully next week um, for episode four. And speaking of episode four, Uh, My guest is going to be a former WLW champion, Daniel Cross. Uh, Daniel Cross is a guy that I kind of broke in the business with. And, you know, he, we were about the same age, but he had a few years on me in the business. And um, we've become, we've become good friends, kind of almost, not that we weren't good friends then, but we've reconnected, you know, more recently and. He actually likes collectibles and, and action figures and things like that as well, which we didn't I didn't know at the time. Uh, but Daniel has got some very fascinating stories about being in the wrestling business and you know trying to come up as an extra and going to Japan and all the things that we that we deal with sometimes and the old, you'll hear the old walking on eggshells stuff that uh, going to the WWE and things like that. We touch on a lot of that stuff that I think everyone will find very fascinating. So he's a guy that's just, he's been there and done that with wrestling. And I think some of the stories he has, will, people will definitely enjoy. And he's doing a little bit of a, of stuff himself. Obviously, when I first podcasted with him, he was on Breaker and Bane's Power Hour a couple of years ago. You know, he, he had a flip phone. He didn't have an iPhone or anything like that. He wasn't really a... A guy who was doing much with technology, and recently me and him did a fantasy booked pay-per-view uh, video, which you can find on his Facebook page, at Atomic Fandom on Facebook, and uh, we called it Bashing Through the Snow. is a uh, Christmas-themed pay-per-view event where we each picked a wrestler to go in specific matches and kind of debated who would be the winner of the matches. So that was a lot of fun, and, uh, and like I said, he's kind of dabbling with that and I think may even uh it may even dabble with podcasting in the future who knows so that'll be coming up next week for episode four Daniel Cross will be my guest thank you guys once again for checking out you know it's fake right if you would please give me a rating and review 
very quick and easy to do, but it really helps out the algorithm, helps uh, people find this show and things like that. And also, speaking of helping them find it, um, little things, you know, if you if you listen, maybe snap a picture of yourself listening to the show from your phone and uh, tweet it out, Instagram at Facebook. Um, one of those things here and there will really help more and more people find this show and just there's a lot of guys that I can't I couldn't mention everybody because I know so many have done this but there's a lot of guys that have taken that time and it's like man that's 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 so that's so rewarding and so helpful to just be like hey guys I checked out this podcast I really dig it I, I really think you guys should check it out as well so anything like that that can be done definitely helps uh, more people find this show and helps it grow in a ton of different ways so I appreciate that Again, stay tuned for the contest on Twitter. Follow my Twitter account at BrianBreakerODR. And we will see you guys next week. And remember, as the great Johnny Valentine once said, I can't make you believe that pro wrestling is real, but I sure as hell can make you believe that I am. I'm Brian Breaker, and I'll see you guys next week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Wonderful. I've been around for a minute, and I can stand toe to toe with the best of the minute. Don't give a damn about critics, they talk a lot, but at the end of the night, I'm selling the tickets. All the tough guys avoid me, the ladies all adore me, paparazzi record me. I can put on a clinic, all my opposers are born.